Okay, this reading is taken from Acts 16, verses 16 to 33. Once, when they were going to the place of prayer, we were met by a female slave who had a spirit by which she predicted the future. She earned a great deal of money for her owners by fortune-telling. She followed Paul and the rest of us, shouting, These men are servants of the Most High God, who are telling you the way to be saved. She kept this up for many days. Finally, Paul became so annoyed that he turned around and said to the spirit, In the name of Jesus Christ, I command you to come out of her. At that moment, the spirit left her. When her owners realized that their hope of making money was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace to face the authorities. They brought them before the magistrates and said, These men are Jews and are throwing our city into uproar. They, by advocating customs unlawful for us Romans to accept or practice, the crowd joined in the attack against Paul and Silas, and the magistrates ordered them to be stripped and beaten with rods. After they had been severely flogged, they were thrown into prison, and the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. When he received these orders, he put them in the inner cell and fastened their feet in the stocks. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly, there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. At once, all the prison doors flew open and everyone's chains came loose. The jailer woke up, and when he saw the prison's doors open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped. But Paul shouted, Don't harm yourself, we're all here. The jailer called for lights rushed in and fell trembling before Paul and Silas. He then brought them out and asked, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? They replied, Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all the others in his house. At that hour of the night, the jailer took them and washed their wounds. Then immediately he and all his household were baptised. This is the word of the Lord. We're going to do something slightly different this morning. I have got three friends. <laughs> Hooray! <laughs> Who's got two friends and would like a third? So I've got three friends who are going to help me this morning. Um, we've just had an incredible Bible reading, and on Wednesday we're starting 40 days of prayer and fasting as a church. Who loves fasting? Yay! Um, <laughs> um, who loves praying? Yeah, many of us. Many of us. And actually, we were just pushing in very powerfully just then. And the good news is we've got lots of time left this morning um, to just seek the Lord together. But what, what I've invited uh, my three friends uh, to share with us is uh, what, I, what I hope that we catch from this is inspiration and insight about breakthrough in prayer. Paul and Silas have been smashed to bits, beaten with rods. They're locked up, feet are in stocks, and what do they do? They spend the time praying and worshipping. And I want us to catch this morning the power of breakthrough in prayer as we seek the Lord. 
And uh, so I'd love to invite to the stage, ladies and gentlemen, would you put your hands together for Evelyn Carter, Esther Beckley, and Roger Verhurl. Put it right. Put it right. Well, that was a bit like Joe Root had just stroked a four to the boundary and we're sort of eating a cucumber sandwich. Should we just hear it for Evelyn Carter, Esther Beckley, and Roger Verhurl? Now, in January, you'll remember our month of prayer. We put out themes to unite us every day, and it was very much focused uh, individually, praying at home or maybe at KFC. The forthcoming 40 days, we're going to come together, uh, and there's a whole program of stuff in the leaflet on your chairs to participate in. But underneath that is the belief that when we pray, God does amazing things. So we just want to catch a bit of that from these guys. So Heavenly Father, thank you for these three. Thank you for all the wisdom and heritage, not only in these three, but also in the room. But we just say as your people, Lord, most of all, we just want to learn from you. And so Holy Spirit, counselor and teacher, would you guide us into all truth? And for all of us here, wherever we're at, would you call us on further in you? and speak to all of our hearts. We submit and yield to your ways this morning. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So, Roger, I'm afraid I was always taught ladies first, so I'm going to go, uh, um, we're going to go first to Esther. Um, so, first question, Esther, just tell us a bit, uh, where are you coming from in prayer? What's some of your background heritage in this? How did the Lord first catch your heart and teach you to pray? Good morning, everyone. So um, I come from a, uh, an African Pentecostal background. So we don't lock our kids away. We bring our kids to church. So we are the kids that <laughs> fell asleep 11 p.m. while our parents are going, raise the heavens, Lord. We're all lying on the floor. We're asleep. And we don't underestimate kind of like when you're in that atmosphere of prayer, what you actually catch. And at the time, I didn't know that, but that's when I caught prayer. And as I grew up, my mom always said that if you don't know what to do, you pray. So we learned from a very early age to fast, actually to fast and pray. So I began to pray. I remember times when I was even four years old, I'll be under my bed and I'll be like, Lord, I'll be having conversations with the Lord. So I caught it from a very early age and I have this passion in my heart to pray. Um, it's, a, it, it's a culture that when somebody is sick, the first thing that people do is people start praying. Because when you look around and there's so much poverty and people ca uh, cannot um, take their, their family to a um, hospital, they pray, and we've seen the most incredible things, you know, like um, he healings, and you know, so it gives you. I just have this passion and this burning, you know, in my heart. And when, even when you read the um, gospels, they prayed. It's like mm -hmm. everything that they did. Jesus, at the point of his death, what did he do? He prayed. He was still praying. And I feel like it's the call for uh, for the church. Period. We need to learn to pray and to be in prayer, even when you're not like this in your room, you have an attitude and a heart of prayer. Because, you know, I always say this, and I hope I remember how to say this, that the only thing that waits for you in your future is your prayer. 
So the blessings and the outpourings of God you're going to be getting in two, three, four, five, ten years' time, you're praying today. Because that season will come in five, ten years' time. And if you haven't planted, if you haven't sown, and you haven't watered with your prayers, you will not see the fruit. It's very much up to you and me to actually do that. Prayer is the vehicle. It is the... It's the it's the vehicle, it's the, the, it's the, it's the anchor. Prayer is the, uh, um, I'm looking for a word. It is the key that releases the resources of heaven. Mm-hmm. It's the key. When you pray, you get that key. It is the Father's good pleasure to give us the kingdom. It's free. We don't have to buy. We don't have to pay for it. That's why people run to church to pray before they go to hospital because it's like, I'm not going to go and pay for a scan when I could come and pray and God could heal me. And yeah. I don't need a scan. That's the attitude. I think it's brilliant, you know. So church, pray. So that's my, 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 um, my foundation in, in prayer. So bring your kids. Don't lock your kids away. That's when they catch it. That's when they, get, they catch the, the, you know, the, you know, I would like to say the bug, but that's when they catch the fire mm. to pray. Yeah, awesome. Thank you so much. Um, brilliant. Thank you so much, Esther. Um, Evelyn, just talk a bit about your background with this and how the Lord's really put a fire in you to, to pray. Okay. Um, so I didn't grow up in a prayerful background like, um, <clears throat> like Esther, um, but I always enjoyed praying right from when I was saved, really. Um, and then... Some years ago, the city that we lived in, um, uh, was, uh, there was an Experian report of all the cities in the, in the nation, and our city actually came out bottom. We were the worst city in the nation for um, poverty, housing, unemployment, um, education, low achievers, and low, low aspiration. And so, the consequence of that, there were about 35, 40 leaders in our city that got together to pray. And out of that came a call to the city church to come together and pray. And um, they called it 2C7, based on 2 Chronicles um, 7, um, where God says, if my people will, will call by my name, will humble themselves and pray and um, repent of their sins... And um, I've forgotten the, the rest of it now. Yeah. I will forgive their sin and heal their land. And so we got together um, for seven years, praying, five or 600 people. And at that time, my um, desire and passion for praying really came alive. And the, the power of being in unity as the church together, praying for our city, we began to see a vision for what the city could look like in the future. And we had people coming into the city, giving us lots of prophetic words about regeneration, revival, renewal in the city. And we began to catch this in the spirit. We began to catch God's heart for what it could look like. And we actually began to see the city then for what it really is, how God sees it, and for God's purpose in it. And actually, um, the name of the city was Stoke-on-Trent, and which means... Um, holy city on the overflowing river and we got a history of revival in the city so much so that trucks at one point trucks of medical equipment were being returned 
to the hospitals because there was so much healing being released in the city. That was our history and our heritage. And we, we did a timeline of this. We put it up. We, we looked at what God had done in the past. We were already beginning to see what God could do in the future. And we began to pray and pray and pray. Mm, so and my good. passion grew out of that. So we're going to come back and just hear some of the results over that sort of seven years of five or six hundred people coming together, declared the worst city in the UK and saying, we're not having that on our watch. So we'll hear a bit about that in a minute. Uh, Roger. Yeah. yeah, my heritage in prayers, I think, come in two different contexts. Um, grew up in a Christian home, but um, started to realize the importance of prayer as a, working as a doctor for several decades. And my, my daily prayer was always, help, um, Lord, I need your help. And I'm sure we can identify with that. Um, but... We, we moved to Brussels, Rachel and I, about 15 years ago, <clears throat> and we got involved with a house of prayer, Brussels House of Prayer, leading that for some years. And I had a real upgrade through that time. Um, I was starting to read books by, uh, by Pete Gregg, Redmond Rising, Punk Monk, brilliant books, um, Dirty Glory, fantastic book. And started to read the history of the Moravians, and you know they started to pray about 300 years ago in Moravia. Um, and they started a prayer meeting that went on for 100 years. I kid you not. It, it just kept going. The fire was, was burning there. Um, and these people that were praying became the answer to their prayers. They sold themselves sometimes um, into slavery to go to the parts of the world with the gospel. And um, I remember Lou Engel. Did you know Lou? Ever, ever since... He prayed for me. Whenever I feel the presence of God, I start shaking. I can't help it. But it's just, I, was, I shared this morning at the first service about this group of Ukrainian Christians that came to um, our house of prayer to pray. These were men. They were big men. They had beards. Uh, didn't speak much English. And, and they, they, they prayed. They danced. Um, eight to ten men dancing in our house, ro- literally rocking the house, and and they and they blew the um, the shofar, you know, the, the, over over the city, and we went out into the local park. We have a a mosque next door to where we had a house of prayer, biggest mosque in Brussels, and a third of the population of our city were were uh, Muslim, and they were just blow the shofar over the mosque. And we would pray for the Muslims that they would come to Christ. And you know, many, many Muslims today are coming to Christ, having visions of the man in white. God is so gracious, so kind. He's revealing his father heart of love to Muslims in every city. Let's keep praying for the harvest. Mm, so good. So good. Wow. Um, awesome, guys. It's exciting, isn't it? And I think what I love about the next 40 days is actually we, we didn't plan this out of a crisis going on for us as a church, but more a desire for more of Jesus and more a desire for more of God. But actually, my goodness, we've been plunged the last couple of days into is there ever a better time to be praying and fasting for the, for the nations of the world and even our own nation. So, um, yeah, terrific. Um, guys, let's just sharpen this. Tell us what, what's some of the stuff that God has done that you've seen? Um, so throwing prayers into the future, Esther, you know, praying, you know, for what for what's going to happen. Tell us some stories of breakthrough uh, and testimony about what God has done. Okay. So probably maybe about 15 years ago, I um, 
in my old job, I went through a really difficult time and I won't go into, um, into details, but it was extremely bad. And it was a situation that could have literally cost my, my life. And, um, you know, like my mom says, when in doubt, pray. So I started praying. Every single day, I had bad news. So imagine praying for a situation to resolve itself for three years, and you did not have one single day when there was breakthrough. I was severely depressed. I walked around and talked to myself. You wouldn't believe it now. They gave me six weeks. If, you, if, if you're not better in six weeks, we're going to section you. Yes, they were going to section me if I didn't get better. I was severely depressed, and I was fighting for my life and fighting for my voice. I lost the ability to talk for two years. I was fighting for my life. And um, I just prayed. And when I say I prayed, I prayed like my life depended on it because it did. And I didn't sleep at night, I prayed at night. I prayed until I bore two marks in the carpet in my bedroom. I prayed until I couldn't physically be around people because my arms and my legs flew everywhere. I prayed until, when I say the spirit of discernment, discerning things was so sharpened, prayer. Prayer would take you into realms that you never thought that you'll actually access. It is the key for kingdom things. It's prayer. I prayed and prayed and prayed. Three years, nothing happened on the face of it until the day came that was like D-Day of what is going to happen today. And God showed up. The night before, the, the Lord said to me, write down what you want to see happen. And I got a piece of paper and I wrote 12 things. 24 hours later, I got all 12. All 12. But think about it. Three years of praying and not saying one single thing. Like I said, I got bad news every single day. But your prayers, the Lord holds them in his hands. He stores them. They never fall down and he does nothing with them. So those three years of prayer sowed a seed for when I needed to draw into that bank account and say, Lord, I need your favor today. And I tell you what, it is so significant that 15 years later, I still live in the joy and the blessing of what God did. So if you want to see that breakthrough in your future, you better begin to pray now because God has given us the key. And I enjoy that and I'm grateful every, every day. I'm just like, Lord, I'm so thankful to you for this. Do you know that as a church, this is the most significant time in our lives? When you look at church history and you follow history down, this season that we, you know, we've had all COVID and everything else. It is the most significant, because God wants to show off the church mm. in this season. And we really need to be awakened to the power of prayer. Mm. We are going to see the miracles that we can only dream about. Mm. I recently had a testimony from a woman we prayed for that had an ectopic pregnancy. And, the babe, and they said to her, come in, we'll give you a pill. It will dissolve everything. And da, da, da. she went in. And she said, before you do that, can I just have one more scan? Because people at my church, they prayed. She had one more scan, and the baby went from her, the fallopian tubes into her womb. And to this day, they're shocked. Now, tell me, who's heard a testimony like that? Yeah. I never have. But that's what God is doing mm. today. Mm. So arise, church. Mm. This is the time to pray.
So good. Wow, 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 wow. Yeah. Okay, so to pick up my story again, um, we began to pray in the city, and um, shortly after that, a house of prayer opened in the city that Mike and I joined, and um, we developed a rhythm in our lives of prayer and worship as part of the house of prayer. We go into the prayer, three, prayer room three or four times a week, praying for the city, praying for the nation, praying for the nations, praying for all sorts of things, and we really began to catch God's heart, really um, passionately praying into these things. And he actually led me into a season of travailing for the church and the lost <clears throat> and, and deep intercessory prayer, lots of weeping. And yet in the midst of that, lots of joy, lots of sometimes feeling like you're in the, the throne room of heaven, heavenly visions, the presence of Jesus and angels in the room, the glory of God felt. It was a rich, rich season. It was, it was just amazing. Um, and at that time, um, he began to speak to me about um, weapons of mass destruction. And that came out of uh, Chronicles uh, 20, where Jehoshaphat is facing this vast army coming against him. And um, one of the prophets, he calls everybody to pray, and they're in sackcloth. And one of the prophets comes and says, the Lord says, this is not your battle to fight, but mine. But he does say, take up your stand. And he gives them a strategy for the battle. And what he says is, send out the singers, the worshipers ahead of the army. And what happened was, God... They did that faithfully. They were singing, God is good and his love endures. And the, God went into the enemy camp and brought confusion, and they all turned in on themselves. They were delivered, and do you know what it said? They lived in peace on every side. God fought their battle for them. They lifted their gaze to God and praised him. And God taught me this about weapons of mass destruction being worship, music, and dance. And we danced and we prayed and we glorified God. Yes, we wept, we prayed into these things. And then the Lord reminded me of the scripture that we started with, 2 Chronicles 7. And at the end of that, it says, Now my eyes are seeing and my ears are attentive to the prayers prayed in this place. And I felt the Holy Spirit prompting me to check the newspapers. Now, we were the bottom of the list as a city, but another um, article came out. Uh, in the, in, sorry, I forgot to say, in the House of Prayer, we, start, we decided to do a whole year of unbroken prayer, day and night, day and night. We started on the uh, 31st of December, 2011, until the 31st of December, 2012. And we prayed day and night. It was, it was hard work, but amazing at the same time. And um, at the end of that, the next year, we had a Transform Our City um, gathering. And we also started some civic prayer breakfasts where the, the church leaders in the city invited civic leaders and, uh, to come together to pray for the city, to bring kingdom perspective in, and um, let's see what the Lord does. 
And the Lord prompted me to look in the papers and start um, and realize he'd been attentive to our prayers. And we started to begin to see signs of green shoots in the city, money coming into the city that was beginning to transform the city. And the article that came out that year was totally different. And it said, this, is, this report was called the Center for Cities Report. And it said, Stoke-on-Trent is, is the fastest growing city in terms of job creation and is becoming a key destination for business. Now, bear in mind, we've been given prophecies about regeneration, renewal, re revival in the city. And the Lord prompted me and said, track these articles. So I did. And over a year, between um, June in 2013 and June 2014, um, we had lots of regeneration money coming into the city. We began to see uh, green areas develop in the city. And I'll, I'll just read out some of the statistics that we had that year. Um, more people going to church in Staffordshire. These were headline news in our local newspapers. Uh, more people going to church in Staffordshire. Adult attendance was up from 27,000 to 28,300. Stoke-on-Trent recognised as an exemplary adoption unit described as a gold standard operation. North Staff's A&E department is the, the first in Britain to be awarded a new accreditation for quality of care. It has been awarded a platinum status. Um, we had a state-of-the-art um, cancer unit built in the city that actually was described as the best in Europe. This is Stoke-on-Trent, the bottom of the pile that was. Um, Oh, I've lost my other sheet. Um, we had lots of... Uh, the, we lived in a mining, pottery, and uh, steel um, industrial area. The steel and mining had finished, but the pottery was just about hanging on. And we began to see money. We began to see profits. We began to see growth. Jobs created. Uh, profits were high. Um, in fact... I haven't got the statistics for those. I have somewhere, but I haven't brought my sheet. But there was that one... JCB had um, a contract that was the, the highest in its history, £54 million contract. Uh, weighed ceramics were given something like 24, th uh, £24 million contract. Um, and... Uh, I have my sheets in my bag, but there was lots of that. But anyway... Tell me about the university. Oh, the university, Keele University, I need the statistic, it was, um, came out as um, the second in the, in the nation for... Um, it was um, academics, community welfare, something else, and employment ability. And it came out second above Oxford and Cambridge that year. So there you go. 
Um, but this, this was a summary of growth and prosperity figures reported in our local paper from June 2013 to 2014. And it said 200,000 jobs created, um, investment 2,153,000, profits 96,800. Bearing in mind, a lot of the industry 96 was. 96 million, sorry, 96 million. Bearing in mind, a lot of them were struggling beforehand. And the growth was 305,400,000 in that year after we'd finished the praying and had the transformation conference. So we were beginning to see answered prayers, God had been attentive to our prayers, and was bringing renewal mm. and regeneration to our city. So good, so good. <laughs> so, so why'd you move down south then? <laughs> um, I think question just to throw out, you know, what is the true DNA where we live? What's the part where Sussex has to play? And what's the part our nation has to play that God wants to restore and revive? Um, I'm just going to take this in a different tack. Um, Roger, awesome. Great breakthrough for Esther. Citywide regeneration, um, Evelyn. Can you just touch on the real question for any of us here who've been praying for years and years but not seeing 500 million pound contracts, not seeing 12 things done in a day. Um, how do you handle that and position yourself when God seemingly isn't bringing breakthrough? Is that a good question, everybody? Yeah, I think we can all identify with that. And um, <clears throat> I think... It's been a very real question for me in the context of my work as a family doctor for over, th over three decades, um, walking with Jesus in the midst of suffering. Do you know that scripture Paul writes, I want to know Christ, yes, and the power of his resurrection, yes. And then that bit at the end, the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings, thinking, <laughs> oh, I'm not so sure about that. But as we walk with Jesus, we, we do encounter the sufferings of people around us, particularly as a family doctor with um, people coming in um, with broken lives, with depression, drug addiction, alcoholism, the whole, the whole gamut. And I think I was really struggling with this a number of years ago, um, and I really needed God to, to touch my heart. And I was listening to some teaching, and it was basically, you know when Solomon was asked, if there's one thing you could ask for the Lord, what would it be? He asked for wisdom. And I asked the Lord, I need a revelation of your goodness. Because God is always good. He's always loving. And, and the Lord really touched my heart at a very deep level to understand that I could always trust in, in the goodness of God. Even when I didn't understand what was, was going on, I could trust in his goodness. And yeah, it, it, you know, we all have disappointments and we constantly want to come back to, to, to the Lord, the Father, and say, will you heal my heart again? Will you tenderize my heart again with your love? Um, and then 
one other key, we've heard it already from 2 Chronicles 20, that, that key of, of worship, just choosing to worship God in the midst, even in the midst of suffering that's going on around us. Um, there's that beautiful scripture in Habakkuk 3, although the fig tree may not blossom nor fruit be on the vines, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will glory in the God of my salvation. The Lord God is my strength. He is so good and he loves us so much. And our hearts do get broken, but we choose to come back to him again and say, Lord, I don't understand. Even when we doubt, we say, Lord, help me in my unbelief. I'm sorry. I repent of unbelief. Because I know that you are good and that nothing is impossible for you. Mm, beautiful. Mm. Mm. Do you want to pick that one up? <laughs> Jesus, help. Mm. So um, I shared in the first service um, my best friend and... Um, since the day I met her, she suffers with a condition called EDS, Ellis Danlos Syndrome. And she's well known on our screen. She, she, uh, she's an actress, amazing voice. When she speaks, you just want to sit there and just listen to her read. And it's a connective tissue um, 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 disorder, so your bones can literally slide out of your joints. So it can cause a lot of pain. So from that, she's been diagnosed with mast cell syndrome, and then she's been diagnosed with now something called POTS that I've never heard of. And she's at the point where she's thinking of giving up acting altogether, and that really cheeses me off because I'm like, after all the assault over the years, and guess what? We have been praying. And I remember once I was in a place called Wakama in Washington in the US. We were doing a healing conference, and a little boy who had had EDS from birth that couldn't even walk, they loaned a wheelchair to bring him to the meeting. He got healed, he got up and he walked and he ran around the auditorium. Well, I went absolutely crazy. Literally got on my phone, I said, Tash, I just saw EDS healed, it is your time. And I began to pray and we prayed on the phone and it didn't change a thing. Then she got pregnant with her second child and it seemed like EDS had flown out and left the building and we all praised God. She was a picture perfect health, not one syndrome. She even went out for a run. I'm like, you're running, hallelujah. You know, like really excited. She has the baby 18 months later, it was snowing there in the back garden playing and she sleeps and she falls and her life hasn't been the same since. We have not stopped praying. Romans 5, three to, three to five talks about suffering brings perseverance, perseverance, character, that perseverance in prayer. It shapes you, it forms you. And I have never heard her complain. She's never complained. She talks about how she's feeling. The days where all she can do is stay in bed and just lay in bed and sleep, but gives glory to God because the Bible says in all things, praise God. That suffering that brings the, uh, the, uh, the perseverance that shapes our character, but it also gives us hope through the Holy Spirit that God has given us. So whatever you've been praying for and you've been waiting for a long time for, don't give up praying. It's like digging and you keep digging and you keep digging and then you stop just before the water pours out. That's what it can actually be like. And 
Just be persistent in prayer. Just keep going because God is not deaf. Like I say, we serve a God that is not deaf and is not blind. And especially when God gives you a word, the Bible says the word of the Lord does not fall to the ground, but it will accomplish the purpose for which it was sent. God is not a man that he should lie. When God speaks over your life, his words are life and truth. They begin to form and creation has, has to surrender to that. When You know, the Bible says when God says, let there be light, light had no choice but to shine because God spoke the word. This is a season of declaration. Speak the word. What do you want to see in your family? What do you want to see happen here in West Sussex for the 2033 vision? What do you want to see happen? These 40 days are not just 40 days and then we're done and it's like bang, right? We're done, we've done it. Now let's just move on. We continue. I am more interested in the long term than the 40 days. Mm. Are we going to be a community of people that pray, that are surrendered to say we will pray until we see the fruit we will pray for seven years. We will pray 24-7. We will do the all-night prayer until we see the manifestation of God's goodness in this place because that's what it takes. There's no quick fix. Mm -hmm. So if we're going to do this, got to be all in. Mm -hmm. There are no shortcuts. No shortcuts. Just a warning there. That's a little caution. <laughs> no shortcuts. I shared like... You know, I want to get married. Yay, I'm doing it again. Right? But do I have a husband? No. Do I stop praying? No, heck no. <laughs> I don't stop praying. I persist in prayer. Guess what? I have a word for the Lord. So I am going to keep praying. I'm like, Lord, you remember you said? I'm like that nagging child. You remember you said? <laughs> I keep going. Remember you said, oh yeah, come on. Remember you said, remember you said, keep nagging, keep nagging, keep nagging. Until one day says, yes, Esther, I said, my words do not fall to the ground. I have watched many friends have their weddings. I've been the bridesmaid several times. So like I put it out there, it's like a post. I am not going to be any more bride. No one's bridesmaid anymore. Right? Come on. And this is not an advert for a husband, church. I'm just telling you right now. The subject is persistent in prayer. So let's just, well, let's just get it. I We're persistent. Through <laughs> <laughs> the disappointments and the doubts, we are persistent in prayer. And that's what it looks like. We've been real. Well, Come, on. To, yeah. Come on. Come <laughs> on. I was going to say, as this, as this goes out, stream live today... <laughs> We, we want to welcome that husband in, but we're not, having, we're not having anybody. So you need to be good, and you need to be holy, and you need to be a strong man of God. You've got to be holy. <laughs> thank, you for, thank you for your honesty. <laughs> <laughs> so if you come to, to the Monday night prayers you can find myself and Evelyn here and all sorts of weird things are going on and don't worry if it's not your cup of tea just go with the flow because yeah. right now we're praying warfare prayers we do more than hold don't we Ev <laughs> we reign the heavens come on just, she doesn't need a husband oh, no. <laughs> she's already got one right there <laughs> 
Say something to the people. <laughs> Just to go back to that, what do you do when you're not seeing um, mm. answers to prayer? I would say the other thing to add to, I, I agree. For me, the place is worship. I have to go back to worship. That's my number one place to go back to mm. and remind myself of the one thing and lift my gaze. And I know always my spirit's lifted in that place. But mm. also, it's good just to remind ourselves of the testimonies that we do have of when God has answered prayer mm. and remind ourselves of his goodness, his faithfulness, and where he has come through in the past because it raises our hope and expectation mm. going forward mm. as well. Beautiful. So good. <laughs> Have you appreciated that this, for a few minutes? Should we just show our appreciation to these three? Thanks, guys. Awesome.